And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. Um, This is Matt Watson, your host of the day. Today, we are here with Thaddeus Gala. He's going to talk to us all about how to save money on our taxes. As an entrepreneur, I am definitely interested in how to grow my wealth while uh, reducing my tax burden. Um, Before we jump into that, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. So Thaddeus, tell us all about how to save money on our taxes, because as a guy who's sold a couple startups and I own Fullscale and, you know, it's doing great, we're making money. You know, as an entrepreneur, one thing I'm always thinking about is is how not to pay taxes. I know the first thing you're thinking is like, well, if you just don't make any money, you don't pay any taxes. But that's <laughs> yeah, not really the goal. We don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people that I've talked to, they say, you know, Thaddeus, I, I'm a millionaire, but I don't feel like a millionaire because I'm working my ass off and they, they hit that, that magical gross income of a million dollars. I don't realize that you know maybe they're left over with two hundred fifty thousand, and then after that maybe they're left over with you know one hundred and fifty thousand. So when we look at it, first off, it's it's really I think people need to truly recognize and embody and embrace the fact that two things: number one, wealthy people don't pay taxes because they've figured out the game, and then number two, for every dollar that you save in taxes, for the average business, I use the rule of six, meaning that for every dollar you save in taxes. That's the equivalent to $6 top-line revenue. If you assume about a 25% profit margin and a 35% tax bracket for every dollar you save, so if you save someone $100,000 in taxes, that's the equivalent of $600,000 top-line revenue. So for the average business, if you can eliminate taxes, you've essentially just added 54% to their top-line revenue immediately within a couple hours. So before we get into some ways to do all of this, which I'm super excited about. Um, give us more about your background and, and what you do and, and how you got into this. How, how do you know all these secrets that you're going to share with us today? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have two careers. One was healthcare. The doctor said my mom would, would be in a wheelchair the rest of her life when I was a kid. And so I went down the path of natural healthcare, trying to prove the doctors wrong, mostly because I wanted to save my mom's life. Fast forward, you know, she was in full disability, couldn't use her arms. Now she's in her 70s. She just started running and winning 5K races. She's my longest success case. She's off all of her medications and she's you know, more vibrant now than she was, she'd even say, in her 40s or 50s. And what happened was I was working my ass off in the clinic, trying to get the clinics going. You know, this is years ago. And when I finally started making money, I got a letter from my CPA and it said, I called him up. I said, Wait, you're telling me I owe a quarter million dollars in taxes? He said, Yep. I said, But I only have 30 grand in the bank account. I'm working 12 hour days. I'm, I'm destroying my health to try to get this business off the ground. And you know, we, this was right around 2008, 2009. So on the tail of the, of the housing market crisis, I was building a brand, my first brand new clinic trying to make a go of it. And I was working my ass off. And, I, and he said, well, you know, death and taxes. And I kind of, this light bulb went off. I thought, well, wait a minute. 
if all the doctors said nothing could be done for my mom and now she's running and winning 5K races, maybe there's something with this tax thing. So that started me on my second career path of really understanding the tax game and, and really diving in selfishly for myself to, to scratch that own itch as most entrepreneurs do and then realizing, okay, if I can do this, then, then, then anyone can do this. And so it was really understanding the habits and the, and the strategies of the wealthy um, and then just implementing those various strategies and teaching entrepreneurs how to do that. So do you have any background yourself formally in like accounting or any of that kind of stuff? Zero formal. 100% zero formal <laughs> or in, informal um, training and scratching my own itch. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, some people would say, well, paying, I don't mind paying taxes because that means I made a lot of money, which, yeah, which sounds okay, heart. I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I, I sold a company before and wrote, you know, a seven figure check to Uncle Sam, you know, yeah. And, this, it it hurts <laughs> yeah. to think about, wow, I'm, I'm sending millions of dollars to the government in taxes. If like, we, I really wish we would have met before you did that because you would have, you would have, yeah, you'd be in a much better spot. I always tell people, look, if you, you know, you make a lot of money and you keep your taxes, but look, if you really want to pay tax that much, just write them an extra check, you know, j- just, just write them an extra check and give it to them and just, just do that if, if you really want to. Otherwise, you know, the, the IRS makes it very clear. And I've talked to a lot of former IRS auditing agents and so forth and, you know, about our strategies and so forth to get them, you know, signed off and, you know, fire hardened. And, and they, you know, they, they say, look, the IRS fully tells people you're not required to pay any more taxes than the code legally requires you to pay. So if you can use all the strategies that are out there that are legal and compliant, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people think, oh, well, gosh, I have to pay some taxes. Well, why? I mean, you, 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 it's two things. One is a, a, just a mathematical equation of do you actually have to pay taxes or not, right? That's what we do every single day when we're calculating what we have to pay. And then number two is the, is the moral aspect of it. And again, I say, if you think that the government is doing a great job with your money and how they spend their money, then great. Then write them an extra check. I don't think our government does that great job. So I'm going to use every available tax write-off deduction credit that I can to eliminate my taxes because I really believe that if, if you can keep that money in the hands and the pockets of an entrepreneur, they're going to create likely more jobs. It's going to go to solving more problems, creating more products and services, and you're going to be able to better take care of your family, your team, um, and make a better impact in the world. And you're going to monitor how those dollars are spent much more than a nameless, faceless, bureaucratic organization. But that's just me. Other people might not well, feel and, that same way. And, and people don't think about when they go to buy something, like if I go to the store and I want to buy something for $100, it doesn't really cost me $100. It actually potentially costs me... 120 or 130 dollars in pre-tax wages right like if right. i had to go to work right and make money right. i actually had to make like 120 130 dollars or whatever before taxes yeah well well likely and people don't think about that. that way likely and then you pay sales taxes on top of it 100 percent, 100 yeah absolutely i mean th- here's the thing that you think about it's like when you go buy if you if you use after tax dollars and let's say that you go buy a hundred dollars let's say worth of groceries right you got to think again that's the rule of six that if you're the average, if you're an average business that's doing has a 25% profit margin and has a 35% tax bracket, if you spend $100 on groceries, you had to generate $600 of revenue on the top line to get that $100 to be able to pay for those groceries. So anytime you can save money in your taxes or use pre-tax dollars, you're 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 so far ahead of the game. Because if I came to you and said, you know, Matt, I'm going to increase your top line revenue by 54%. 
in you give me two hours, I'm going to map everything out for you. You you know guaranteed you know or you don't pay anything kind of kind of kind of you know offer. You know it it'd be a no brainer to 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 listen to that. But for some reason, when it comes to taxes, people just you know they'd rather jam a screwdriver in their ear than even talk about the subject for some reason because they just they just are so focused on their widget on the front end that they don't take the time to really learn the process in the back end. Well, what I really get sick of is puking when I watch Congress spend all our money on all sorts of dumb shit. So, um, <laughs> right. so let's let's get into this. You know how um, how, how can it. people take advantage of this? Who who can take advantage of it? Is it is it just certain types of of people? Yeah, or great question. Let, let's let's get into it. I'm I'm so, really interested to learn more. So let's talk about the two big buckets, right? The two big buckets are either you're employed or you're um, or you're an employee. I mean, those are the two two big ways that you can do. Obviously, you can also be an investor and just get you know, um, um, you know, uh, income from your investments and so forth. So, but but by and large, you're either you're either an employee or an employer. And so, looking at it from that, that it's a little bit different. Depends on what, what your structure is. But let's just start with the business owner. If you're because that's a little that's a lot simpler. Business owner, right? It's a really simple process. You want to zero out your income. And people think, okay, well, Thaddeus, that sounds great, right? But just stay with me for a second. The number one thing is you want to zero out your income because that's what you're being taxed on. And within there, there's a lot of different little algorithms and different different turns in the paths to that. So the first thing that I tell people to do is, is to, number one, if their CPA and their firm hasn't already helped them zero out their taxes, they need to find a new CPA, period. It's really that simple. If they have a CPA and a firm that hasn't already helped them zero out their taxes, they need to find a new CPA and a new firm. Same now, thing is, go ahead. Well, so does this, when you're saying this right now, is this apply only to a C corporation or are you talking about, you know, other types of Good companies question. where the, the profits flow through to the, Gr- the shareholders? Question. It's, it's going to be, excuse me, <clears throat> this is going to be the same for regardless of the entity. So it could be LLC, S Corp, C Corp, um, sole proprietor. Um, this, this this holds true for either either of them, for any of them. So, okay. and, and this is the same the same conversation I have with any. I mean, listen, think of this, Matt. I tell people, look, most of us are wrong about most things most of the time. If you want to get ahead in life, look at what the masses are doing, and do the opposite, because most people make poor decisions when it comes to their health. Most people make poor decisions when it comes to their wealth. Most people make poor decisions when they're when they're investing. Because they don't understand the game, and so they look at what the masses are doing, and they use the the, the principle, uh, the psychological principle, of principle of social proof, and they just look at what everyone else is doing, and then they go and do it, right? And the problem is, is that that keeps people extremely poor, and in all walks of life. And so I tell people this, like in our clinics, right? When I used to work in the clinics a lot more uh, than I do now, I, patients would come in and they say, "Okay, wait." Um, and, and right now I'm finishing up my PhD on reversing Parkinson's. I have a patient come in and they'd say, so Dr. Gala, you know, how is it that you can help people reverse Parkinson's? If, if this was so great, why wouldn't we have heard about this by now? And I say, well, two things. Number one, we're working with a legacy system that that's broken. And then, and then number two, I say, you know, if your doctor hasn't been able to help you reverse your Parkinson's or fill in the blank, whatever disease you have, you need to find a new doctor. Your doctor is there for you. You're not there for them. So same thing with your CPA. I say there's two types of CPA firms out there. Those that work for you, and then there's those that work for the IRS. And it's the 80-20 rule, the Pareto's principle. 80% of CPAs, if you throw a dart at the board, chances are you're going to have a CPA that works for the IRS, proverbially works for the IRS, meaning they just, they're just they not really strategic in terms of things. So number one, it's getting that. 
you can get that umbrella of a CPA firm that, that really knows what the game, that's number one. And we, we have a handful of strategic partners. If people are listening, I'm happy to make some introductions to some, some of our, our, um, uh, our, to some of the relationships we've established over the years because there are some really great firms out there. And like one of the firms we refer to, they have an IRS, a former IRS auditing agent on their staff to look over everything to make sure that everything is not only compliant, but everything's good, et cetera. So it's finding that dynamite team and it's not using TurboTax or HR Block or any of these other nonsense things. That's number one. You've got to be around the right playmates and the right playgrounds. Number two is it's going through in a systematic formula. And usually you can do this in about two hours. Uh, like when I do my intake calls with, with businesses, depending on where their volume is. Um, you know, but if they're, if they're under like 20 million, usually we can get through this in about an hour or two and really map out the, the commonly overlooked things. I mean, real basic things that everyone should already be doing, which you know, I, I'll maybe put you on the spot here a little bit, Matt, if you're okay being uncomfortable. But are you already taking it? Do, do you have kids, by the way? Yeah, I have four of them. Okay. And what are their ages? 12, 7, 5, and 1. Okay, 12, 7, 5, and 1. Okay, so for the 12 and 7-year-old, are you paying them twelve grand a year to work on your business? No. Okay, so here's the thing right here. Should so I put them to work? You, so I'm, I'm going to say to you right here, uh, do you know what, what your tax bracket is roughly? Like are you 30, 30%, 35%? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, so and that's okay. See, look at this. I mean, you're a successful guy, right? You've had, you had a business exit and – and not knowing where you're at tax-wise, it just goes to show how much, and myself included for years, just really didn't spend the time that, we, that, we, that this deserves to really understand. But here's the thing. You can pay your kids. There's a federal limit that if you, if you receive less than $12,000, you don't need to file a return because, well, you don't have to pay taxes because it's under the federal limit, right? So what you can do is you can pay your children age 7 to 22 up to $12,000 per year, and the business can write it off. And they don't have to claim it as income. So even just something simple like this, right? So let's do this. You, you, have, you have four kids, you said, right? Yeah. Yep. Four kids. So let's say if you did this age 7 to 22, that's 15 years, right? So 15 years times four, that's 60 years or units times 12,000. That right there, we just got you $720,000 tax-free over the tax next credit. Quarter. Well, it's not yeah, a tax, tax credit. It's a, it's a write-off. Oh, so, tax write-off. Yeah, so tax that write-offs. Means, so that means that, that over the next... Now, that's just one little piece, right? One little thing. But that means that for your ne- for your four kids, over the next several years, you're going to be able to write off $720,000 in expenses that you and I wouldn't have done right before this call. So this call right there, let's mm-hmm. just say you're in a 25% tax bracket times point... Or I'm, I'm going to say 30% tax bracket. So that right there, this call right, right here, just now in the last two minutes, we just saved you $216,000. Because that's, like gonna be, because that's where you're going to be because that's where you're going to pay in taxes. So just by hiring your kids, we just saved you over the next over the next 10, 15 years, we just saved you two hundred sixteen thousand dollars. And if we use the rule of six times six, that's the equivalent of of by just understanding that one hack, we just brought in the equivalent of one point three million dollars in top line revenue to your business, spread out, you know, amortized over the next um, you know right. seven to fifteen years. But that's just one strategy, okay. right? Yeah. So it's, and it's I've heard the, and I've actually heard of that one before. Right. And, and that's the thing, but, but you're not doing it and not that's doing the problem, it. Nope. right? Right. So let's just book in this for your listeners and for you. So what you want to do is you want to go through and find age appropriate tasks that they can do, right? So the seven-year-old isn't going to be your lead, you know, your CMO, your chief marketing officer, right? But your, but your seven-year-old could be 
you're doing janitorial work. So you could write up write up a little thing that says, you know, you can just do like a one pager that says from January 1st to December 31st, you know, what's your seven-year-old's name? Uh, his name is Archer. Archer. So you say, okay, Archer, you're going to be, you're going to be working and you're going to be helping in the family business for the next 12 months. And your job is to clean the trash cans in my office. It's to dust the shelves and to do whatever other chores that you have him do at age seven, that's age appropriate, that, that legitimately helps. He's probably already doing chores already. So you I, just, I know our listeners can't, can't see our video here, but if you could see our video, you could see all the books behind me on my <laughs> I, shelves. I see all and, those. They they come in on a regular basis and just rearrange the books randomly because they just like to play with the books. And so I, I think they're already earning their keep by rearranging my office. Perfect. Perfect. Now, now when you get closer to like the 15 year old or they get up to being 20, you know, there's a legitimate argument that that they really can be doing more high value things, right? Where they can be yeah, sure. you know, working on your social media because, you know, they get those things so in, in, in intrinsically so, in, their, in their development. So if you were really going to do this. Would you have to set up a, a like an investment account or like a, just a normal bank account? And then what do you do with the money once you put it in the account? Yeah. So if you were to write them that check, so you put it in the account and maybe it's in a joint account, right? Or maybe you write them a check and then you go to the bank and then you just cash that check for them, you know, or with them at the bank. So now now you have this money, now you have this twelve grand that you've that you've that you've spent and you've hired them that you can, you know, well, it's technically their money, but you know Yeah, they're just gonna buy a lot of M and M's with it. Right. So, so you as dad can kind of do what you want with that. And that's, and, and, and that's where you get to decide, you know, how and where that money goes. Do you set up a custodian account for them? That's one thing that you, you just want to check that, you know, dot that I and cross that T with your CPA in terms of, in terms of how you have your business structured set up and how you document that throughout the year. But the fact you have four kids, that's, you know, that's 48 grand a year once they all get to age that you're going to be able to write off on your taxes. No. So how does this work? Does this does the same concept work with like my spouse? Um, well, because it's a twelve thousand dollar federal limit. So if she's already making more than twelve thousand dollars, then no, no, but, she doesn't but, work. Yeah. So then, so then, arguably, you could do the same thing for her. Do you guys file jointly or separately? Well, that's the thing. You'd have to file taxes separately at that point, then, right? Yeah, you'd have to look at that and see. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've I. I'd have to look a little bit more deeper at your at your unique situation and how your structure sure. structure is set up as an entity, but there might be a way to do that. Um, yeah, there, there there might be ways to do that, but that'd be one one of many. You know, the other thing is the Augusta rule. Um, are you using the Augusta rule? Are you familiar with that? Seems like I've heard of that before, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, so so the Augusta rule is where you can rent your house to yourself, and oh, you get a claim you yes. claim that money tax free. So if you have a house, you can rent that. I believe it's for two weeks a year. And you get and you can rent that to yourself, and so you, so you get to write off the rent from your business, but you get to claim the money tax free as an individual. Yeah, I've so heard of that too. If you so right there, let's say that you rented your house for, I don't know, let's say that you rented it to your company for a legitimate for a company expense. Yeah, for for your for your annual company party or and something karaoke that, night. Right there, you go. Uh, you just want to make sure you document it appropriately. And let's say you do that for a thousand bucks. That's fourteen thousand dollars. Well, that that just you just get to add that now to to it as well. So there's a lot of little kind of ticky tack things you can do that you can set up. That's one and done because once you set it up, then it's automated for years to come. That's one thing. And then the the other thing that I'll get a little bit, you know, we'll kind of leapfrog into a little more advanced strategy, and that is that that wealthy people because some people may say, well, Thaddeus, that's great, but I'm looking at a million dollars of net income. Yeah, that's what so I'm what, thinking in my head here. Yeah. So what do I do with that? So let's talk about the other bookend of that and the juicy the juicy parts. So. Um, and I don't mean for this to be a plug, but I'll share kind of what we do 
and uh, and I'll share how you know people can do this without us on the open market. Um, wealthy people understand this concept. They understand that that borrowing money against appreciating assets is tax free, and and there's a two step process to that. And I'll use a real easy example, and then I'll get into to more nuanced. And that is that if you want to eliminate your taxes, let's say that you have, let's just use the example, a million dollars. And we can help people usually up to 2 million, anywhere from 2 million all the way down to 100,000. We usually can help people zero out their taxes. And this is what we do, and this is what you can do. So I'll give a generic example of what you can do on the open market without us. And then I'll share what we do um, in, in terms of how we make it, what I believe is easier for people. So you, right now you could go, let's just pretend that you are a, um, well, there, there's two ways to do this. Let me see which one would be best. Um, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a real basic example. Let's pretend that you're a farmer and you go out and you buy a $100,000 tractor, which tractors are about $100,000 to $200,000 nowadays. I know because I have a ranch and I have a couple of them. So um, let's say that you have a $100,000 tractor that you write a check for and you, and you write that off. So now you get to take that typically through Section 179 or other, other areas. You get to write off $100,000 on your taxes. So you just, got, you just lowered your taxes by $100,000. And let's say you go back to John Deere or the tractor company and you say, hey, I have this tractor and you know what? I actually want to get a loan against it. I want to borrow against my tractor $100,000. And they say, great, you know what? We have this great smoking deal right now. If you want to borrow money against your tractor, we'll use your tractor as a collateral and we'll give you a 100% loan to value. And we have this promotional period where it's 0% interest for five years. And so you borrow this, this $100,000. Now, here's the thing. Because you borrowed it as a loan, you now aren't paying any any income on that because it's a loan. And so you get the $100,000 write-off. You get the value of the tractor that's going to produce um, money and value for the, for your property. You're not paying any taxes, and you still have your $100,000 in your pocket that you get to do with it, whatever you want with now. But, so, but, but if I take that $100,000 and I do something else, when I have to pay taxes on the income I generate from investing that other $100,000? Well, let's say you take the hundred thousand that you just borrowed now. Now, what would you go use that on? Just give me like maybe a real life example. Because um, I, I mean, think I let's just going. pretend I just buy stocks. Let's, I buy stock in Tesla or whatever. Okay, great. I mean, so you buy. If, let's say you yeah. So let's say you buy something. Let's say you buy some stock, and let's pretend that it's giving you dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's pretend you buy a hundred thousand a hundred thousand dollars of stock that's giving you dividends. Well, you're going to pay taxes on the dividends, but not on the hundred thousand that you have in stock. But right. if the stock goes up from let's say 100,000 to let's say 150,000 and then you sell it, well you're going to be paying capital gains on 50,000. But you can use the same strategy then to zero out those taxes. But the yeah, here's, so but, how would, but but here's even beautiful. Yeah, so let's, how would that let's, work? let's pretend that you let's so you just do this process again. So let's pretend that you bought this tractor for $100,000 and then you borrowed against it. Well, if you take that $100,000 and let's say that you took the $100,000 and and hired a key team member. Well, this is the beautiful thing. Now you get to write that money off again, and you get a, you get a double write off. So you've just zeroed out your taxes, and now you're actually showing a loss. And you get a, yeah. And with with the CARES Act, there was a couple there was a while there you actually could get a refund, but now you get to carry that loss forward. So the next hundred thousand dollars that you make next year, the first hundred thousand dollars you make is completely tax free. So how would this work with like stock investments though? Let's you know, if I have a huge stock portfolio and I'm making a lot of capital gains and, and dividends, how would you? Yeah. So do the same strategy. Yeah. So you can do the same strategy. So like what we do, so, so wealthy people, the concept again is wealthy people understand 
that that when you borrow against appreciating assets, that's tax-free money. And there's no there's no award for dying without all your debt being paid off. Wealthy people understand the value of debt. They've cured themselves of Dave Ramsey disease, and they understand the value of of, of investing in assets that you can also get get uh, right off even more. I really like real estate. So, like with that example, let's say that you bought that tractor for hundred thousand dollars. You have your you have a hundred thousand dollars back in your bank account, and then you go buy. Let's say you take that hundred thousand dollars and you go invest in real estate. Well, the nice thing is, let's say you take that hundred thousand dollars and you go put it as a let's say a twenty percent down payment on a property. So now you're getting a five hundred thousand dollar property. If you do a cost segregation study and accelerated depreciation, you could take off another two hundred fifty thousand dollar write off. Uh, let's say let's say another two to two hundred fifty thousand um, dollar accelerated depreciation and write off on your taxes again. So now you have a $500,000 asset, piece of real estate, plus you just saved another $250,000 on your taxes. So you start stacking all of these write-offs, and this is how you build assets, and then this is how you, get, how, how you eliminate your taxes. And the beautiful thing is, is that in 10 years, the, the rule of 10 states that in 10 years, you'll have your original purchase price and equity in a property. So if you buy a $500,000 property in 10 years, you're going to have half a million dollars of equity. If you refinance that and pull that cash out, that money that you pull out is tax-free because it's a loan. So if you had, let's say, $500,000 in, in stocks and it's producing you dividends, let's say, let's, say, let's say it's a crazy return, right? And it's giving you $50,000 a year in dividends, like a, that'd be like a 10% return on dividends, right? So let's say you're getting $50,000 a year in dividends. Well, you could do the same thing because it all, it's all, all going to flow through to your individual return. So you could just go um, use that tractor analogy and you can write it off again. And some people may yeah, say, so how, "How does this, how does this work for just like pure like stock market or, or stuff like that? Like I own full scale and I receive, you know, a million dollars a year in profit. Let's pretend on my K one. Yeah. yeah. What? So, so that's going to flow through to your personal. So on your business, um, so so you own a business, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you're if you're showing a loss on your business, then that loss will flow through down to your to your individual return." And it will, it will, there's, there's a few other steps, but in essence, it'll, 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 if, if, if your K1 is showing that you made a million, but if your, if your business is showing that it, that it lost a million, then it'll, it'll zero out. There's more to it than that, but that's, that's the, the essence. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, a, let's pretend it's making a million though, but it's not losing any money. It's making money. So your business is making a million as well? Yeah. Billions yeah, so make, you, yeah. The so business so you is making a million from your business and then a million from, from like passive income, correct? So you have like 2 million? Sure. Yeah. So what you could do is then in that scenario you could do two things. One is one is you you could use this strategy to to bring down that. Well, yeah, you just use the same strategy. You just do it for two million. So for instance, I go by. So so and I'll share I'll share kind of what we do because this might put a, um, a kind of a, a play a, you know a period on it for some people, and that is so like like what what we do with people is we have a business consulting mastermind group. And we have different services and products that we offer up to two million. So let's just say that if you had that two million dollars, right, you could you could hire us for two million dollars, which then you get all the benefits of our organization working for you. You get to come to our annual retreat, which we actually have Gary V speaking this year at our annual retreat. You get to hang out with all the other entrepreneurs, etc. And one of the perks of hiring us is we get you access to a two million dollar business line of credit at. 1.9% interest. So let's say this. Let's say if you were to write us a check for 2 million, 
then we get then we also get you a loan for two million dollars. So you've just written off two million dollars. You now are utilizing us. You're part of our mastermind group. You use us as as business consultants. You get all the perks of that. Plus, one of the perks of being in the mastermind group is you get a two million dollar line of credit that's interest only to your business. It doesn't report to your credit. There's no credit check. There's no it's non recourse, etc. So there's there's other people and things that do this, but I, and and again, I'm not trying to pitch this, but I'm saying if you don't have a tractor model or if you don't have other things to write off, mm-hmm. this is a way that you can do it, and and then at that point it's it's simply an arbitrage play. So when you say it's an arbitrage play, explain that. So an arbitrage play for for listeners, um, or, or just to refresh it. So arbitrage is, you know, let's let's pretend that you, let's pretend that 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 your buddy Joe came up to you and said, Hey, you know, I'd love, I'd love to let, loan you a million dollars. And you say, Hey Joe, that's great. What's the interest rate? And he says, I'm going to loan you a million dollars at 0% interest for, for 10 years. Just pay me back when you can. Would you borrow that million dollars? Seems like a smart thing to do. Yeah. I would. Right. Because, Absolutely. Yeah, so, because you could very likely then go out and invest that in something that is then going to grow and appreciate. And then in 10 years, you just write Joe back a check for a million bucks and you just arbitrage, right? So you borrowed money at a lower at a lower rate, and you and you invested at a higher rate. So arbitrage in the real world is typically, you know, if you're able to borrow money at one to two percent, and then go invest it at five to seven percent, well, you're making that spread. So you're arbitraging that. So um, so we arbitrage things all day long, right? I mean, if your car breaks down and you need to go to the mechanic, you arbitrage your time. It's it makes a lot more sense to go pay you know, the mechanic two grand to fix your engine, as opposed to learn, go out and buy a set of tools, set up a shop in your garage and fix your engine yourself. Cause you think, well, I, it's, it's a lot more efficient for me to work at my regular job and be really efficient there. So you're arbitraging your time. But the, the real, the real thing of this is you're saving, like in that example, if you're saving $2 million or if you're writing off $2 million, you're probably saving, you're probably saving about, let's just do some quick math here. $2 million times, I'm just going to say 0.3. So you're probably saving $600,000 on your taxes. So you're saving $600,000 on your taxes and you're paying on the interest 0.0192 and then you're paying $38,000 in taxes. So you're you're paying 38 I'm sorry, you're paying 38,000 in interest on the loan, but you've just saved $600,000 on your taxes. So so that yeah, I mean so the well, so before I forget, let me remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. We can help you save money on your software development expenses, um, but that's not the same thing as your taxes. So I guess, <laughs> you know, a lot of what you're describing, I understand basic arbitrage, right? Like I can borrow money for 1%, I can go invest it in something and make right. 10% and I, I make the difference, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, what you described earlier is you made it sound like I could hire your company and basically pay you a million dollars and I would be able to write that off as an expense today as like a business expense, but then you're able to loan that money back basically at a low interest rate. So I, instead of me having to pay 20 or 30% tax rate, I basically delayed that to the future by doing that. Right. Correct. Yep. There you go. And some and people then, may so I, or go ahead. And then, so how do I, I guess, then how do I get my money back? Right. As far as like, okay, I gave, I paid you this $2 million consulting expense or whatever. Correct. How do I, how do I unwind that later? Yeah. Great question. So a couple ways to do that. One would be, um, uh, so, so, so two pieces there. 
that I think are kind of little open loops. And one would be, so if, if you if you did that for $2 million, then then one of the things that is that we have strategic partners that, and one of the benefits and perks of kind of being like in the gold club, quote unquote, you know, one of the perks is you get you get business lines of credit at extremely low interest rates. So you get that $2 million back and you're correct. So now you have this line of credit that is interest only locked in in perpetuity. So you can take it to the grave with you or if you want, there's an optional, there's an optional clause that after 20 years, you can, you can request to have the principal forgiven. Um, that's one option. Or um, number two, I really do think once people understand arbitrage, they likely won't do that. And they'll likely take it to the grave with them. And they can either have it forgiven then, which then would be a taxable event, or they can, I know some people have set up a life insurance policy based off of that, either a cash value life insurance or a term that then, that then covers it. So when they pass, it doesn't get passed on with their with their business assets or anything like that. But when you look at the time value of money, you got to think. I know it sounds weird, but but twenty million dollars, or I'm sorry, two million dollars in ten years from now is only when you look at inflation just eating away at it. It'll only be worth about one point two million dollars because time and inflation makes debt obsolete. So over over time, eventually loans and debt eventually reaches zero effectively. Loans essentially effectively reach zero if given enough time. And all the while, if you take that arbitrage and the savings and you're investing it, you're appreciating ideally more than inflation. And you've you've created these two divergent rays of debt is essentially going to zero due to inflation. And with appreciation and principal reduction of assets, you're growing these exponential um, divergent rays of equity and net worth. So is this this sort of strategy of using like a consulting, like a fees like this, is, is that a really one of the prime strategies that, that really high net worth individuals use? It is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's one of the ways that, well, the, the, the concept is, and there's lots of ways to do it, right? You can do it through consulting, like with us, you can do it with real estate. Um, you can, you can do it in a, in a handful of different ways and you, and people can do this on the open market right now, right? I mean, they could go, let's say join Tony Robbins business mastery for, you know, a million bucks or hire him for a million bucks or 250,000 for one of his lower programs and write that off their taxes. And then they could go to Chase Bank and get a line of credit and get their money right back. So people do this strategy already all the time, but but the numbers don't typically work when you do it on the open market unless you have strategic partners. But yes, you could do this with us. You could do it with real, through real estate. You could do it with products and services that you already need for your business. Um, like I did this years ago when I needed an x-ray machine for our, for our office. I pay, I think it was like 64 grand. I wrote a check for x-ray machine and then went back to, to an equipment company and I said, Hey, will you finance this for me? I want to, I want to, I want to use my x-ray machine as collateral. Can I get a line? Of, can I get, um, can I finance? They said, yep. And they sent me a check for $64,000. So I got my, so I got it right off the whole x-ray machine. Plus I got my 64,000 back plus, um, the x-ray machine, what it produced in cash flow, more than paid for my payments every month. Right. Sure. So you mentioned earlier, there's ways to do this on the open market. And then there's ways that, you know, your company, you know, can help people do this. So I don't know if you covered, did you cover the way that your company helps do this or? Yeah. So that is the way that our, one of the ways that our company could do it would be an example. You know, if you have anywhere from 2 million to hundred thousand dollars of net income that you're paying taxes on, that's what we would do is you would, you, we would send you an invoice for, let's say $2 million. Um, and you you pay that invoice and then you write that off on your taxes and then we get you your line of credit for $2 million. And so you essentially get that money back. 
So I'm just curious on your on on the side of your company, don't you have to show that two million dollars is profit on your side? A hundred percent. Yep. Bingo. Right. So 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 then is this loop repeat? <laughs> yeah. Great. Great question. Uh, yeah, I, I like where your brain's going. I like I like that you're thinking of all the pieces of how the sausage is made, which is great. So um, that's part of it, but also too, we, we have a lot of real estate holdings. So we have a tremendous amount of depreciation mm-hmm. um, that that we're able to write off. So we're able to leverage a lot of it um, over time in terms of in terms of the income. So we've set up a lot of really powerful, robust tax tax savings reduction strategies on the back end for us um, that allows us to have this muscle to be able to carry that much income. Well, for so what is the minimum amount of money that people need to make before they should consider this kind of strategy? Is it $100,000 a year? Is it like yeah. what, what? Yeah, good question. I think if someone's making $100,000 or more or they're paying more than thirty grand in taxes then you know, and they don't want to pay taxes, then this strategy I think is, is, a, is a very good strategy because not only is it going to help zero your taxes, but then you're also going to be surrounded with and, and be, be joining a group of, of very bright entrepreneurs that um, are not, not only, well, you know, hanging out with entrepreneurs, you, there's a lot of yeah. things you don't even know you don't know that you benefit from, um, you know, not only the teachings, but also the relationships that come out of it. So there's a tremendous amount of things that you don't even know you don't know that people are going to learn. But yeah, this is one of the strategies that uh, people can do. And I always say, you know, and if you and if people want a new CPA firm, I'm happy to make that intro. But I really do think it's, it's you have to surround yourself with the right playmates and the right playgrounds. And I think for me, it was my, my mind shift was, Rather than saying, "Oh well, gosh, you know, you know, someone else does that," well, it probably won't apply to me. And instead, I said, "Well, someone else does this, and while the same strategy they're doing may not apply to me, I know that if someone else is doing this and able to zero out their taxes, I should be able to zero out my taxes. So I'm going to lean into this and learn more about how it can apply to me instead of how can it not apply to me. And I think it's having that mindset of of, mm-hmm. of how can it work as opposed to Oh, it probably won't work. I'm not even gonna not even gonna learn or investigate it. I'm just surprised that the IRS would allow a company to basically spend an unlimited amount of money on like a consulting fee or something. Well, that's why and, it's capped at two million. Um, it's it's okay. capped at two at two million or or at twenty five percent of of the, the gross revenue because of the different services and things that we offer. So, um, you know, if if a business came in and they were only making a hundred thousand dollars. You know, it wouldn't make any sense for them to to join for two million dollars. Nor would we let them even use that level of service, because that depends on the level of, of that someone comes in. They they get different services based on the level that they come in. So if someone comes in at a hundred thousand, they're going to receive different services than if someone that comes in at two million. So it kind of depends on the size of the business as well, and it's kind of formatted for that. And some people say, so, "Well, I was just going to finish that." Go, some people say, "Well, Thaddeus, I don't have I don't have two million dollars." And I say, well, that's okay because we can actually get you your business line of credit first to actually pay for your membership if that's something that people want to do. So even if you don't have money liquid, um, you can actually still do this process, believe it or not. Interesting. So, I mean, so that that begs the next question. It's like it's timing, right? When, when is the right time to do this? Is it is it all based on fiscal year? Like it's I, I've got a $2 million tax bill from 2021. Is it too late? Um, um, what, what is, it, yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. Um, so w- w- it, it is too late for 2021. Um, unless, unless someone, so here's the thing that, the, you know, the, there's a thing called gap or generally accepted accounting practices. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of CPAs and IRS knows that there's a lot of people that, that, that have expenses that they've paid 
in October, November, December, etc., that aren't settled in the books yet. And a perfect example would be you send a check for, for, for something, let's say, in the middle of December, and there's a snowstorm or something happens and it doesn't re- get received by the, by the other party until, let's say, you know, January or February, by the time they actually cash it, makes it through the mail system, that the IRS says once the check is left, if you're on a cash basis, once the check is left, it's no longer considered in your control, so it's therefore considered as a deduction on your end. So, so there's some people that, that, that have written checks in December that if they haven't cleared until January or February, that you can still write it off um, because you've sent the check, if that makes sense. So okay. there's that aspect. The other best time to do it so is I, can, I would say... So I can backdate the check? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you in anything official what you should do. But, but I would say this. If, you, if, you, if, you, uh, if, you, if that check that you mailed, if that check that you mailed um, um, just so happened to be really delayed, um, oh. you know, then, then there, there might be an opportunity there. But that, that's where, again, a lot of CPAs talk about, you know, you, you really have a lot, of, a lot of CPAs will say, you know, you have till kind of January, February to kind of um, finish it up. But if, and if the IRS says, no, we're, we're not going to count it, then they just count it for the next year. And then you just carry that loss forward to the next year. Right. Um, the other best time to do it, you know, so obviously you want to do it before year end. The other best time to do it would be to, um, to, to do it when interest rates are low. So the interest rates right now on the line of credit are based off of the, the Fed's rate of the applicable federal rate, the long-term applicable federal rate. And right now it's at 1.92. It was at, at 1.84. And I think it was even, even at 1.17 or 1.75. And, and I think this, this month, I think it goes up to like two point something. So that's why I tell people it's, it's when the rates are the lowest, that's what you do because that's what the rate is fixed at for the entire life of the loan. So I always tell people, do it as soon as the rate is the lowest. That way you can lock in the lowest rate. So because rates are going up, I tell people, you know, for this year, do it as soon as you can for this year going forward because it looks like rates are going up. Um, but there's still an opportunity. You can still get in at like the 1.9 before things really solidify for March. Well, so when we were starting the, the the podcast earlier, you mentioned there is a big event coming up. I want to make sure that we, we talk about that for a minute. Um, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so it's our annual retreat. It's with all of our members. It's it's for it's called the Guardians. So it's the Guardians annual retreat. Um, if you go to guardiansretreat.com or the guardiansalliance.com, uh, that's our website. But we have some amazing speakers at the at the Guardians retreat this year, and it is uh, we have uh, uh, Bobby and Sophia Castro. I think they have a three to four hundred million dollar real estate portfolio. Natasha Graziano, one of the w- women's world's w- you know top women. Um, motivational, inspirational speakers in terms of branding, positioning, etc. We have the one and only Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he's going to be talking about Web3, crypto, blockchain. I think he's making right now, I think he's making about $200,000 a day just on, his, just on his NFTs that are being resold. He made $91 million dollars in 90 days. So he made, he made a million dollars a day every single day for over three months when he first did his launch. And he's doing another launch. So for me, I feel really blessed that we have Gary that, that was excited and he wanted to come down and speak at our retreat because I've heard that the grapevine Gary's not speaking at future events other than his own, which is VCon, which I think right now to get a ticket into VCon to hear Gary speak is 17000 Our tickets, Our tickets are only a grand. So our tickets are only a thousand bucks to come to our annual retreat and to be able to hang out with Gary. We have, we have a we have a private island party we're going to be having there. We're voting everyone out to a, to a sunset 
um, beachside dinner and party one of the evenings. We have some amazing speakers and amazing attendees. So that's what I'm really excited about. And that's coming up April 25th through and, the 28th. And, and anybody can just any random person go to this or they, they also have to be like a customer of yours? Not, not any random person. So we first opened it up to members. So, so members register first and that, that just finished up. And so now it's open to general registration. Um, it's really meant for people that are entrepreneurial or, or, they're, or they're aspiring entrepreneurs. So either people that are established or aspiring entrepreneurs that are six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs that really want to stay ahead of where the market's going, you know, okay. what they need to know so they don't get blindsided by, by blockchain, crypto, how they can use it, um, some biohacking around health aspects, marketing, sales. It's, it's a juicy entrepreneurial event with a, a lot of amazing speakers and providers that are going to be speaking. Okay. So it's kind of up to your guys' approval on who correct gets yeah in. i mean if someone if someone if someone goes through and reg- it is an open site and if someone goes through then then they have to go after they register they go through a welcome call and um and our team at that stage if, if we don't think it's a good fit um we'll say you know we really appreciate it but we're actually going to refund you your ticket and um you know m- maybe you know next year because we, we are capped at, we can only we can only have 500 people there so it's a fairly small event yeah that is a very small event and you've got a lot of interesting people that will be there so it sounds like Sounds like fun. I'm checking my calendar here. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I know. I know. I know. We're releasing it this week. Um, to I think it was this week or next week. We released it to the general public. So I, I know it's going to be filling up pretty quickly. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it myself getting a chance to in Puerto Rico. Great. Yeah, Puerto Rico. It's warm. It's beautiful. And uh, uh, yeah, we have the Caribbean on one side. The resort is right on the cliffs. So it's the the Caribbean's on one side and the rainforest on the back side. Amazing golf course. It's got um, a whole water slide set up for the kids. I mean, it's just a gorgeous, beautiful resort. And uh, for me, selfishly, I'm looking forward to, to interviewing Gary um, to really uh, extract out of his brain where things are going with the, with the blockchain, NFT, NFTs, Web3, and, and how that's going to be revolutionary, revolutionizing business in the next you know, one to five years and how, it really, how the use cases increase. Well, we're doing a whole series right now for the podcast about NFTs and uh Oh, wonderful. I uh yeah, I actually interviewed somebody who um runs like an NFT investment fund. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, eventually they'll they will own the stock ticker NFT once they go public, I believe. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, he would actually be the first person to tell you that don't ever buy NFT art like Gary Vee sells because it's a stupid right. investment. Yeah. Well, his <laughs> thing it is, like- it's a stupid investment. <laughs> Yeah. Well, his, his NFTs, his NFTs, he sells, he has a couple things. One is he sells them as tickets to his conference. And that makes and then, sense. And then the other thing he sells is they are, are use items. So like if you buy one of his NFTs, you can, you can like, I forget what it's called, but it's like the podcast panda or something, which means if you buy this NFT, then you're going to have them on your podcast for, I think, two or three times over the next year. So if you buy, buy the NFT, yeah. there's some utility on, to it. Yeah, so then you have them on maybe once, but you're like, well, I don't need to interview them again. So then you could go resell that to somebody else that really right. wanted to have them on his podcast. And the one of the things I think is kind of cool is then as as Gary, you know, continues to blow up and get even busier and more popular, then you could arguably say you could almost probably sell that that NFT to somebody else for maybe even more because now he's even more in demand. Um, sure. So you can get your money back and then yeah, he makes some potentially. And NFTs are interesting. I I uh, actually spend most of my time every day working in crypto related stuff. So oh nice, um, yeah. But I I think NFT art is kind of silly. Um, but yeah, I don't. I've yeah. never bought an NFT of uh, a squiggly line for a bunch of money or any of that stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What is you? crazy, I, I, man. I did crazy, I did really but... well on CryptoPunks when CryptoPunks first came out. I, I was able to 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 do really well on that. Um, but um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the use cases are the best. I'm, I'm curious, what do you see as some of the being the best use cases for um for for NFTs in your perspective? Uh, I don't think art. I think it's other things. Like I was, uh, for example, I had lunch with somebody yesterday and started to get us off on a tangent who works in the ticket industry uh, yeah. for like sporting events. And so they have relationships with, say, a Major League Baseball team. And so think about like if the Major League Baseball team could sell all their tickets, let's say for $50 a piece, and they're all NFTs and, you know, behind the scenes when you, you know, go use your ticket at the gate and all that stuff, it's, it's you know, validating that you owned it and it's in your like wallet and their mobile app and all that stuff. Behind the scenes, it's a blockchain. You wouldn't even sure. have to know it, right? But yeah. think about then if you resold the tickets on StubHub or whatever, like the cart, the the MLB team could actually make a cut of every resell, right? That sure. all the way through the yeah. secondary market. Like, I think there's some interesting use cases for yeah for other things NFTs, but not buying like little squiggly lines for yeah yeah crazy amount well, the, of money the, the and, and the I stuff think about, that goes on. Yeah, I mean, and the thing to think about is that like with MLB, like it, it's it's arguably already going on because when you go to get on on an airplane and you check in on your phone and you have that QR code, that that is in essence an an NFT. Um, it's a unique it, identifier because yeah but it's a non-fungible token it can't be separated mm-hmm. it's unique to you you've paid for it and it's something that yeah. is, is is very unique so the concept we all already are using the concept of the digitization of tokens and use cases of yeah of unique of unique caricatures on our on our digital devices so it's not that far of a stretch to then take it one step further like you said and use it on the blockchain and then start attaching other other benefits and uses yep. to it which i think is yep. is is wonderful well, so as we wrap this up, I, I'm sorry we're getting off on a tangent here, but there's one more tangent I wanted to ask you about, which was the healthcare side of things you mentioned that you're involved in. And it sounds like you're really uh, involved in more natural uh, healthcare, which, you know, big pharma doesn't make money on. So, um, but it's probably the cure to most of our ills. I'd love to learn more about what you do there. Yeah. The biggest thing I've found over the years, and again, I've worked with thousands of patients and I've helped people reverse everything from Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, diabetes, chronic fatigue, arthritis, migraines, you name it, um, is that I, I would go out on a limb and I would say, I wouldn't go out on a limb, I would actually firmly say that I'm willing to bet that you know 90 to 95% of the health issues that we face in the Western world, in the US, Canada, et cetera, are lifestyle-based diseases, meaning that if you change your lifestyle, feed around diet, exercise, social interaction, your thoughts, your the, the lotions and potions that you take and use, put on your skin, your body, um, all of the things that we interact with on a daily basis. If you clean those things up, supplements, exercise, all those things, there's about 12 different things that we teach people on. If you get all those things dialed in, then your body really can have the, the, the building blocks that it needs to heal and make, ta- maintain and regulate itself appropriately. And the vast majority of chronic diseases can be re- re- reversed in anywhere from four to 12 months, depending on where someone is in the cycle of that disease. Um, you know, I had one gal, she had rheumatoid arthritis and she'd been taking medications for, gosh, I forget how many years, but, but we added up between her and her insurance. She had paid $960,000 in medications, $960,000. She was a school teacher and she was just suffering with rheumatoid arthritis and, and the medications that they give you are just brutal medications. And in about two to about, about three, I'm gonna say three to four months, she was able to completely go off all of her medications because she had healed so much she didn't need them anymore. So in about three to four months, her body completely transformed. So 
it, it just goes to show, and we've done this time and again, how many how many times you or, or how much, um, but people can heal if you give it the right time. One of one of um, one of my things that that, that I'm that I'm committed to doing is before I die is building the world's first largest um, and biggest natural whole health hospital um, where we really focus on these things, essentially like the Mayo Clinic of natural medicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had funding for it. We had about $40 million of funding for it before COVID hit. And then it, uh, you know, we actually got our first release to try to, to start securing land and property and then COVID hit and it, you know, everything just poofed. So well, um, we're, we're, I, we're back I definitely agree it. with you. I feel like most, most of us, uh, have a lot of inflammation in our bodies that we don't even know and, and have high insulin levels and, and all these different things that no doubt all causes things. a lot of problems. But yeah, but we also live in this, uh, phase, uh, crazy fast paced world and, and, you know, modern conveniences have made us very lazy. And you yeah, know, I went to Starbucks this morning and for lunch I went to Wednesday, Wendy's and had hamburgers and fries. So I am right on the list of the problem, <laughs> but well, I, I know it, I know it's the problem, but you know, well, that's just the thing, busy right? trying to get shit done. Yep. And that's part of it. You know, the, the, when I, when I walk through, so I also do, do wellness coaching. So I, I work with, I work with, with, uh, I, I cap myself at five people a year or, or I should take it back 10 people a year. So five people basically every six months that I work with and I, and I take them through a full transformation. Um, and what I do is the, what the very first question that I ask people is, you know, um, well, I ask them two questions. Number one, if, if I ask, I say, if you had a magic wand and you could get rid of one thing or change one thing with your health, what would it be? And they usually say something like, gosh, I'd like to have more energy or not be fat or I don't want to be on meds or I don't want to die of Alzheimer's like my grandparents did or whatever. And then I'll say, well, why is that important to you? And then we'll spend probably the next 10 minutes really outlining their, their emotional why. And maybe it's, you know what? I want to be around to play with my kids. I want to be, I want to have enough energy that when I come home, I can play with my kids. I want to be able to pick them up. I want to be down on the, I want to get down on the ground. I want to wrestle with them. I want to be around so I can play with them. And I want to be healthy enough so that I'm really set to play with my grandkids. So find an emotional reason. So that way, when you go to, let's say, Wendy's and you're about to eat that French fry, you can ask yourself, what's more important, this French fry or being able to be there for my kids? Because when we're sitting there on, on, our, on the hospital bed, maybe just had a heart attack, and we're thinking, gosh, man, I'm 60 years old and I just had a heart attack, and you're not going to be around for your kids. To me, that's, that's the thing that I hold in my mind's eye is, is, am I, you know, is this Starbucks latte or whatever or this French fry is that worth trading this pleasure right now for being able to spend more time and more, which is the only thing we have with my kids and with my loved ones at my full vibrant capacity? Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you for sharing that. And um, I definitely feels like we're slowly got this, move, this movement of natural health um, taking hold, but the hospitals and the pharmacies and everything, everybody else, insurance yeah. companies, nobody, none of them make any money if we spend less money. So you know, I have a great um, clip where I interviewed this this far, um, this far, this drug rep, and I said, I, I recorded. I should probably find the recording. I'll maybe I'll send it to you. I said, I said, what motivation do you have, and do drug companies have to get people healthy and off drugs? And there's this long, awkward pause. Of, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, well, just look where the money goes. So yeah, we talk about this and all kinds of things at the annual retreat. So yeah, if people are interested, we'd love to have you there. It's gonna be an awesome time, and uh, we're gonna be covering this and a whole host of things that we dive deep into. So once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You can find us on Facebook and our Startup Hustle chat group or check out our YouTube channel. Um, just go to YouTube and look for Startup Hustle. Again, today, our guest today is Thaddeus Gala with the Guardian Alliance. And if you're making a bunch of money and you don't want to pay taxes, it sounds like he could help you. And so you should check out theguardianalliance.com. 
and uh, reach out to Thaddeus, and I might be following up with you later because I don't really like paying taxes. So. <laughs> I've yet to meet anybody that, that loves, loves, loves writing, writing a check on April 15th or before. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate that, that – because that is, right? Money is a representation of our life and our time. So if you limit your taxes, you get back uh, about a third of your time, January, February, March, and April. Every year you typically get back because that's how long you have to work just to make up enough money to pay your taxes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.